you tired of good Halloweens? Are your friends enjoying your Halloween parties too much? Are you one of those shithead types that likes Christmas? Well, we have a solution oh, oh, to... Okay, hold on, hold on. Denny, I swear you've done this intro before. Oh, I definitely have. Yeah, most definitely. So, so what are you doing here, man? Well, I needed an excuse to redo it. And I found one. Carry on. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Movies for When, ladies and gentlemen, and NBs. are back. What up? Ah, oh, yeah. Res WrestleMania is over. Uh, Denny did it. I'm sure he had fun. And we are recording on Wednesday, so I'll try not to accidentally spoil AEW for for you again like i did last week so you've you've shown a proper amount of penance for for yeah. your actions most people no, when they spoil something they just insult you and try to pretend they didn't spoil it like you're some kind of fucking idiot you're just all you have to do is say you're sorry right like and you yeah we're good i'm, I'm not gonna tell you about tars fighting ivan ooze later tonight oh, fuck that's a fight i would watch that's, that's a fight okay. i would definitely watch uh before we get into all our shit we want to give you a motherfucking reminder that on Thursday, April 21st, at 5.30 p.m., we are kicking off the first ever Movies for Win live show at the Alamo Drafthouse Denton. It is the opening night of the new Nicolas Cage feature lifetime retrospective film, The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. We are going to start a pre-show at 5.30 then the movie starts at 7, we go to the theater at 6.30, and then we're going to have a post-game discussion right back at the vetted well at Alamo Drafthouse Denton. Get there at 5.30, lots of, uh, lots of fun to be had, maybe a few surprises up our sleeves, who knows? Who knows? Ooh, I think we know. I think we know. Hey, 5.30 or earlier, maybe you want to come have a beer with us, that'd be yep. a lot of fun. Do it. Tickets <sighs> are, uh, tickets are not on sale yet, apparently, uh, Lionsgate is is taking their sweet ass time uh, telling Alamo when they can go on sale, um, but tickets to our portion of the show are about to say. non-existent and free. Yeah, tic tickets are for the movie. Tickets are not for us. You don't have to pay for two things. Yeah, just just show up for the movie with your ticket for the movie, unless you feel like sitting in a bar for two and a half hours while everyone else watches the movie and then not know what we're talking about after we're done. That doesn't sound fun to me, Greg. Doesn't I would, sound fun. If, if I were a moviegoer, if I were a Movies for Win fan, I'd go see the movie. That's what <laughs> yeah. I would do. I thought you were going to say, if I was a moviegoer, I would go movie. <laughs> yep. Mm, <great>. <laughs> and <laughs> you know go. what else I would do? I would order hmm. food, I would order beer, and I would tip my server. That's what I would do. That was one going to be one of my key points, is just like, let's show them a good time like we're yeah. really excited to go let's let's make their night tip the shit out of them make them yeah. like raise a brow be like what the fuck's going on here dude we are we are so stoked that uh alamo is giving us the venue and the space and the collaboration to do this we really want to show up and show out you know like we we want to show them that like hey you want movies for when to come cover your cover your movies because we bring a bunch of hungry people that love movies and will will not be assholes to the servers. That's that's what we want to do. Absolutely. We don't want to make any more enemies of the show. Davis <sighs> <Kauk>. <laughs> nah, I'm sure he tips. All right. Uh, well, if you couldn't tell by the intro, 
we're into some redos, or in this case, rewatches. These are movies for when you just needed an excuse for a rewatch. Denny, what's our movie selection this week? Um, we are going to do The Power of the Dog, The Power of the Rangers, or as casuals call it, 1995's Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, and mm -hmm. Interstellar. Greg chose The Power of the Dog. Uh, we agreed on Power Rangers as a consensual third pick, and Interstellar was my pick. That's right, yeah. Uh, two episodes after I said that it would be pointless to talk about The Power of the Dog on the show, um, here we are to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, before we get it, we're going to start with Power of the Dog, but before that, Denny, did you uh, watch anything else this week? I know you were busy with uh, the Wrestle, Wrestle Bowl yeah, I wanted to talk about the wrestling I watched because I just needed on record what I did this weekend. Um, I have watched nothing but pro wrestling and the movies that we were supposed to see. I just want to give a rundown of my schedule. Um, I went to Josh Barnett's Bloodsport presented by GCW on Thursday uh, at 3 p.m. Um, at 10 p.m. that night, I went to the Major Wrestling Figure Podcast live show because we've got to support our fellow live podcasters. Um, the next day at 1 p.m., I went to <clears throat> Zicky Dice's Trouble in Paradise 2 um, at WrestleCon. Yeah, that's right. I saw a wrestling show in the Fairmont in Dallas. Um, <laughs> then at 7.30, I went to Gringo Locos, The World on Lucha. Um, and then at midnight, I went to Joey Janela's Spring Break Night 2. On Saturday, I went to Mission Pro Wrestling's Bangers Only at 3 p.m. I went to WrestleMania Night 1 at 6.30 p.m. And on Sunday, I went to WrestleMania Night 2 at 6.30 p.m. And I watched a little wrestling I'd missed on Sunday morning. And let me tell you, in my opinion, this is one of the best WrestleMania weekends ever. Um, the only problem was I had too many options to choose from and I couldn't see everything I wanted to because some of them were at the same time. Um, I didn't see a Dude. bad show. I had to quote the title of the, the documentary on the, on the wet, hot American summers making. Um, it was a hurricane of fun. I, I can't think of another way to describe what I just went through this weekend. An absolute hurricane of fun. I don't think even Stretch Armstrong could have reached that reference, but you somehow managed to. <laughs> hey. Very nicely done, man. No, that sounds cool. I'm glad you had an awesome time. It sounds amazing, and uh, luckily we had just the set of movies for it. Yeah. <laughs> for those that are interested. <laughs> um, if you're here, you know, probably. All right. Dude, I um, was like five feet from Diamond Dallas Page. It was cool. No way. Yeah. Yeah. He was at WrestleCon. Awesome. Um, How tall is he? I have no idea. Tall. Yeah. I, every every time the two we saw him in two movies, and I only see him next to other pro wrestlers. Yeah. I'm I mean, like, mm. Scott Hall's six seven. DDP is six foot five. So an inch taller. Oh wow. For perspective. <laughs> I was about to say he could be five foot nine for all I know, but no, yeah. six five. Holy shit. And in like nineties wrestling, he was viewed as like a smaller guy. You know, like <laughs> that's how big like eighties and nineties wrestlers were. Yeah. What. I mean, is that just a thing where they're just kind of going for more skill instead of, like, look how big this man is times 100? Yeah, if you're anyone but Vince McMahon, that's what you're going for. Okay. Um, basically, <laughs> yeah. Now Nowadays, wrestle, like, it was, it was, no, but it really was crazy, like, seeing a lot of wrestlers in person. 
I was like, ooh, some of the best wrestlers in the world literally look like just regular guys. Like before, you know, when I see them like in street clothes entering the venue or something. Um, and, you know, some people look like wrestlers, but some of the best in the world look like regular dudes. And I think it's really cool, honestly. Hell yeah. Uh, well, I didn't, I didn't really watch anything. Well, I didn't, I definitely didn't watch WrestleMania and Ooh. I didn't, I didn't really watch much. I really only had time for the movies this week and, but Saturday we did go out and see the lost city at the, uh, at the theater. That looked rough. I had a fun time. Channing Tatum is here to shine, but boy, howdy. You could tell they were just like, Hey, let's have you come back into the to the studio just to like record some jokes that you're just gonna say and it's not clear that the character that we're seeing is actually talking and making these jokes they're just gonna be like adr slapped on top of something irrelevant it was it was it was pretty rough but i i had a good time and uh so did my wife and that's all that matters good shit I'm, i'm really not a fan of sandra bullock i just think she's she's super vanilla i can't get into it she didn't try to save any minorities in this movie, so it was better so than... So she's regressed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. Anyways, what are we here to talk about? Movies for when. Um, we are going to start with The Power of the Dog, which is available on Netflix. I think Netflix made it. Did Netflix make that movie? Yep. It is it. a Netflix movie. Yes. Directed by Jane Campion. Nice. <sighs> Man. I guess I'll summarize this one. I think it's probably best if you do, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so, this is my second time watching it. This is your first time watching it. So I picked it because I did need an excuse for a rewatch. Because this is a movie that does reward second watches. I think I mentioned it in the Oscars episode, where the way the story is told, it's kind of like a mystery uh, mystery movie. And the mystery is, like, what's really going on? What's mm-hmm. really going to happen? And then you find out. Um, it's not like it required undivided attention. It it does reward a second watch, but if you see it one time, you can kind of think back and, like, put the pieces together yourself, too. Good story. Anyways, the story. <laughs> uh, the Power of the Dog is a uh, five-chapter uh, movie based on a book of the same title. It is set in 1925 uh, Montana, on a ranch where two brothers are um, moving cattle uh, just like they've always done on their family's farm that they inherited. And the uh, one of the brothers, played by Jesse Plemons, falls in love with uh, the, the hotel owner where they're staying at for the night while they're moving their cattle in the uh, next town over. Uh, she bring, he brings her home. They're married. She has an 18-year-old son, played by Cody Smith-McPhee. He's got the Waluigi bod, just like me, so we love this kid. However, the other brother, Phil, played by Benedict Cumberbatch, is not a fan of this. He is is seeing um, Jesse Plemons' new wife, Rose, as a threat either to himself or the family or his relationship with his brother, maybe all of it, and is basically just playing mind games, being mentally abusive to her, driving her to drinking. Um, basically this whole time we're seeing where things are going, how these relationships are deteriorating, things are tense, and it all leads to a, uh, plotted 
climax at the end of the movie that um, I'll go ahead and say, just watch the movie first before you listen to this. Because if you know what happens at the end, it doesn't necessarily, necessarily sully your experience, but it is, it, there is a huge payoff to watch through it. It's almost and like if, if, you know, Tony Storm was a mystery opponent and someone just told you that. Um, yeah, I, imagine, I can't imagine. Imagine how disappointed you would be when you watch Dynamite. <laughs> it just wouldn't be the same. Yeah, it's also my fault that we record on Wednesdays lately. <laughs> hey, we got to prioritize the pod, brother, brother. Hmm. I got to prioritize staying off Twitter right before we go live. <laughs> Honestly, I, I appreciated that you were trying to connect with me on something I was interested in. Yeah. I was, I was... Just like, oh, man. Oh, that was a really cool move of you, and it, it actually isn't as cool as you m intended it to be. <laughs> I thought you knew. I know. I usually do. Well, all right, now that uh, <laughs> we've got the plot out of the way, you ready to talk about Power of the Dog? Well, we got to talk about our relationship with the Power of the Dog. Yeah, I kind of said you, you hadn't seen it before. Yeah, um... I did see a trailer for the 2022 movie Dog starring Channing Tatum. Oh, shit. Right. And according to the internet, uh, Kevin Nash is in it. Um, that's pretty neat. Um, anyway, it looked like shit. Um, it looked like a crap movie to me. I haven't seen it, but I thought the trailer just looked looked like a very lazy film that was going to rely on just some formulaic emotional heartstrings. Uh, and... I got it confused with this movie when Power of the Dog started getting Oscar buzz. And I yeah. was like, that fucking movie about Channing Tatum having a pet is up for best picture? What the <laughs> fuck? And I think I thought that until our Oscars episode when you started giving a little more detail on what the Power of the Dog is. And I was like, You're oh... Like there's no way these are the same movie <laughs> it was like i think i told you a little bit about it i used that same like it's a mystery <laughs> like i think he just gets the dog greg what are you talking about yeah. <laughs> yeah that was i was like well if greg liked it this much i guess the dog lives so that's comforting because i was 100 seeing did jesse Plemons? play the dog what's he talking <laughs> about because <laughs> i watched that movie or i watched the trailer and i was like yeah there's a 110% chance they kill that dog in that movie. Like, I guarantee, <laughs> like, they just, it looks like such a such a lazy film. And I'm, I'm talking out of my ass. I've only watched the trailer. If this movie's actually good, I don't mean to shit on it. This was just my reaction to the trailer. But I was like, god damn, the dog lives. Greg liked it. So that means the, the dog made it through. That's crazy. Oh, now you're back to square one. Now we're very sure that the dog and dog definitely dies. Mm -hmm. these aren't spoilers because we don't know <laughs> but we know but yeah. we don't know or do we they're speculations and mm. it seems like the type of thing that might be pretty easy to speculate about I'll anyway <laughs> let's talk about this, this movie yeah my relationship uh, i saw it once uh maybe like a few weeks after it had come out on netflix then i watched it again over the weekend like it love it Want some Once more, more of, it. of it. I wanted. A th I want a third rewatch, man. Damn. Damn. It's a good ass movie. Um, yes, I was about to ask. What are your What are your like initial thoughts coming? Oh, out of I, it? I loved it. Watch I really one. liked it. It's a great okay. movie. Um, yes. Yeah. No. I thought like first of all, 
I wouldn't say it's a western. I'd say I'd say it's a drama set in the early 1900s West, you know. But it's really more of like a period piece drama with a lot of suspense than like a. It doesn't have the structure of a western, you know. Like when you talk about a western, um, man, I thought uh, I thought the uh, the the influence of a female director um, really really gave a perspective of a lot of themes that uh that you know would have affected men at this time that men probably wouldn't have written about um men and women um man and i thought it was a really cool conversation just about like basically looking at a lot of things that we are culturally aware of right now and that definitely would have been happening in this time period that nobody would have talked about because um, mm-hmm. it was too uncomfortable or people just weren't communicating about these things or too stigmatized. And so, you know, it's always been my thought when, when people are like, well, we didn't have ADHD and autism when I was growing up. And my response has always been, yes, you did. You just threw rocks at those kids and called them freaks. Um, mm-hmm. But you had this, right? Like, it's 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 been around, right? Um, and so just like, you know, you had a... a what was what's the Waluigi's character's name? Pete, Peter, Pete, yeah, Pete, Pete. Clearly, is kind of <laughs> call him a, Waluigi. <laughs> you called him Waluigi. Um, I said Waluigi Bod. <laughs> Waluigi Bod character, Pete. Um, <clears throat> One of those Greg types. Yeah, <laughs> love to see it. Uh, Throw those, rocks at him. Call him a freak. Love those angular elbows. Perfect for swinging a tennis racket. Um, <laughs> but wow, spoilers. <laughs> Oh, wow. He does swing a tennis racket in this. That's funny. <laughs> I was just making a joke about how Waluigi was introduced in Mario Tennis. Uh, <laughs> I wasn't even thinking about it. Um, no, but, like, he's he's definitely, you know, it, to me it seemed implied that he's probably undiagnosed on the autism spectrum. Um, he just does a lot of, like, self-soothing and stemming that you would expect to see. A lot of, like, fixation and hyper-focus and, you know, just some flat affect um and then you see like grooming and sexual abuse and psychological abuse and emotional abuse and i don't know i'm I'm sure it's not the only time it's ever been done but it's certainly the only the only thing i've seen um you know that was that was this format this setting this time period and also with like a focus on rugged men being repressed toxically masculine men Mm-hmm. um and having a conversation about that like you know having like a, a full conversation about it I, I was really impressed with the movie yeah the, the, we could we could just talk about themes honestly for like an hour in this movie oh yeah because there's just so much to pull out of it you could you can transfix yourself on like one character and just pull so much out of them yeah. um so like i said in the synopsis kind of this is a movie that has i think it's five chapters and each chapter basically goes over the relation. It covers maybe not exclusively, but it kind of focuses on the relationship between two of our main four characters in like some combination. Uh, we start out with the two brothers, and then we get um, Rose and Jesse Plemons character George, and then we get you know we we just go on down the line. We're kind of mixing up pairs as characters go off and do different things. And, like, re-enter the story and everything. And this just seems like it's through their relationships and the way they're talking and interacting with each other. This is just, like, 
an analysis of like four wildly different people and their response to different kinds of fear. Yeah. Either fear or like put put anything in there, just like fear, anxiety. Like you can just like I, I, I say fear because you know how we leave the characters or like by the end of like the second act where they are kind of at their worst is what's what says what the movie has to say about their path to get there yeah you know so oh man i'd say cumberbatch's character uh phil is our main character oh yeah i i said earlier too like he is just unspeakably cruel to mm -hmm. rose and we come to find out later that he's kind of covering up some he's covering up homosexuality basically and man and you you were talking about uh, sexual abuse and and grooming that's kind of what we hear about through cumberbatch's story through uh yep. sorry through phil's story it sounds like he was kind of treated the same way by yep. a man that is passed away known as bronco henry that he sort of him and his brother sort of idolized yep and then we come to find out it sounds like he was sexually abused by this guy yep and then he's carrying it on to our uh our little boy mr pete yep he's probably like 18 19 but you know still well that was it was so cool because like i i saw like i saw a discussion about how benedict cumberbatch said in an interview that um they really wanted to portray his character simultaneously as an offender and a victim, you know, like that you yep. could see that like what he's doing is not okay. And he has also been powerfully and incredibly wronged. Um, mm -hmm. you know, like the, and I think that, you know, that that's again, more, a more fair and honest conversation about the bigger picture of things. Um, I will say, um, man, being being abused is no excuse for abusing anyone there's there's so many people who were abused and take that energy and say cool i will never abuse anyone actually i'll be extra careful to never come anywhere near that because i know how horrible it is you know and then there's mm -hmm. some people who never all face right their shit. my turn yep double down yeah. exactly yeah it's not okay but it is it is a humanizing contextualization instead of this person good, this person bad, which is just super not how it works, you know? Like, it's an oversimplification. Yeah, and that's one of many reasons I wanted a rewatch is you see Phil as the offender, and then by the end, you kind of realize, oh, maybe he was the victim. Yeah. And then rewatching it, you're seeing both at the exact same time. Yeah. And it really, like shines a light on how good of a performance this is and like yeah. how well written of a character this is that you can get such richness in like everything he says and every scene he's in you understand the good and the bad side of it and more often than not he does pick you know what we would consider the wrong path oh yeah but man just like having that context in on a second watch is super beneficial i would say dude and it's it's just masterful because like in some ways it makes him more despicable um he's ashamed that he's gay or at least by like definitely into one specific man for sure like we see him like 
masturbating with Bronco Bill's handkerchief, you know? like Bronco, Bronco Henry. Bronco Bill, yeah. Bronco Henry, whatever. Yeah, uh, Buffalo yeah. Bill is from... Yeah. Gotcha. I, I mix up my uh, I, I mix up my Pacific Midwest... Uh, uh, Sexual or my, offenders? No, animals. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, buffaloes and Broncos. Um, that's not even Pacific Midwest, is it? Geography is my Achilles heel. Um, so it's counting. Yeah. <laughs> but all that goes to say... Um, in a way, I think it makes it more despicable because you see that he's using like his own experience of being ashamed and taking that energy and using it to bully someone else, right? And even like yeah. Pete, we don't really get any clues as to what his sexuality is. He's just like uh, Phil is ascribing gayness to him because he likes arts and crafts, you know, mm-hmm. like you know, because he's not uh, he's not a a rugged rancher who's out there knee deep in shit. And you know, like uh, he's just like, well, if you're not that you're gay. And if you're gay, you're bad. Right. Like that's, yeah. that's kind of where he takes that energy. And so I'm like, it's actually worse that you relate, you know, like it, it would have changed this whole movie. If people in your life had been like, Hey Phil, it's okay to be the way you are, man. We love you all the same, no matter what. Um, and you, you, instead made the problem worse for everyone else right like it's mm-hmm. his victimization makes his behaviors more despicable to me because he actually knows how painful it is to be pete um when he's bullying him yeah for sure and like you know he's not just bullying pete he is psychologically abusing the shit out of rose yes uh Plemons's new wife played by his real wife uh kirsten dunce they're, they're really married i didn't know yeah. that they met when they were doing uh, the second season of that show, Fargo. That's pretty cool. Yeah, pretty awesome. It, it's 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 interesting to see like a real couple have like the right level of chemistry to play like a couple that just meets, basically, and yeah. like has such a weird and complicated and like painful relationship. Mm-hmm. Even though you know they're not the ones causing their own pain a lot of the times. Yep, George is like absolute just deflection of conflict and oh my god ah well we can talk about george too but yeah um i wanted to just add on uh about phil he like abusing rose you you gotta imagine that he sees his brother in a happy relationship and he's like why can't i have that yeah like i'm never going to have that so i think that it's not only like carrying on abuse it's also or like you know shaming someone because of your own fear it's also like an anger yeah and jealousy of sorts well and we see from the very beginning that he feels like he's losing his brother um because his oh, brother yeah. is maturing and changing and wants different things that he wanted when they were children together and phil is staying exactly the same you know like the the world is moving on without him um and i think that's that's where you see a lot of like where you see a lot of bigotry come from is like Mm -hmm. someone doesn't want to change their ways um they see women are becoming more empowered and calling men on their shit and they don't want to change their shit so they get angry at women you know Mm -hmm. um and you know i i did want to add this just while we're on the subject i loved that this movie addressed psychological and emotional abuse um because it's not something we take very seriously as a culture, despite the research. 
um, which indicates that in 95% of cases, 95%, the symptoms of psychological and emotional abuse are just as severe, if not more severe, than physical and sexual abuse. Um, these are these are invisible forms of abuse that often happen in small but powerful ways over a really long period of time. And it can be really hard to describe what happened, not only to other people, but even to yourself. Um, and it's not something that people, like a lot of people don't even know what those terms mean. Um, and I, I really love that this movie addressed them because honestly, like, when you see someone doing that, you should be responding like they're physically assaulting a person or sexually assaulting mm -hmm. a person right in front of your eyes, right? Like, it's it harms people in really serious ways, man. Yeah, and that's what's so difficult but also kind of understandable about George's character. Like, I was just saying, like, he avoids conflict at all mm -hmm. costs, which is a real shame because you think he would probably be the only person that his brother would actually listen to mm -hmm. like he, he maybe not would be able to put a complete stop to this but he could just like not even like toughen up and say something but just like common respect like be on your wife's side kind of right. thing like take step outside of your comfort zone for something that is clearly very wrong and very bad for you and your family mm -hmm. your new family like cowardice yeah he even like he can't even say, I would like for you to not be covered in shit for dinner when the governor comes over. He blames mm -hmm. it on the governor's wife. You know, like, instead of instead of saying, like, hey, man, you got to take a bath, you know, like, yeah. before dinner, and I'm the one that says so. Um, he says, like, well, you know, really, it's not that I care, um, but the governor's wife uh, would probably appreciate it if you did. Not that she asked, but I just think she would. Not that I care. It's not my thing, right? Like, it's just <laughs> like, dude, come on. Fucking, fucking, like, nut up. Like, you know, like, you've got to do, <laughs> like, either, like, accept that your brother is going to, like, come to the table dirty or tell him you would like him to wash up if he's going to come to the table. Like, is it really that hard, right? And yes. <laughs> I know. Yes, it is. <laughs> I believe. I you. suppose so. Yeah. Um, um, I I just love Jesse Plemons so much because like he's the kind of actor that I don't even mind that he's typecast because he's so perfect at being the unassuming guy that doesn't really pop, but you can tell there's like so much going on below the surface. You know, like that's mm -hmm. that's every role I've ever seen him in, and he's just. He's so good at, like, conveying repression. You know, like, he's so good at conveying, like, he doesn't say much, he doesn't emote much, but I think he fe thinks and feels a lot. You know, like, yeah. he just doesn't you know express that, it a lot. You know that deep down what he's seeing and the way his life is is really hurting him. Yeah. Even though, like, he never says it. Yeah. yeah. He does, I'll get into a favorite line uh, later when we're doing that, but... Yeah, it only kind of shows through the cracks the one time. Um, yeah, even... Uh, I'll go to my next note here. Even 100 years ago, kids are finding porn in the woods. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, that's man. That's for you, buddy. That was beautiful. That brought me joy. What did you think of the house? 
the house itself because like this is an old this is like we said a hundred year old or like said a hundred years in the past this is an old family home on a ranch that they obviously grew up in this house is probably built like what early 19th century like 1830s 40s like i don't i don't know shit who cares but <laughs> it's big yeah and even though it has like um helpers there like there's like the in-house there's like the cooks there's like the maids and everything mm -hmm. this house is just so quiet and still and silent and hard and dark and fucking cold that you just like you it feels like everything you do like every it feels like if you were in there all of your footsteps would echo oh big basically time. it would be an like, anxiety provoking house without a doubt yeah and all the floorboards are creaking every step you make yeah. like oh my gosh you you whisper something downstairs and somebody with their bedroom door cracked is hearing you Whew. imagine being kirsten dunst's character in that home where you just you always are waiting for the next event you never feel safe and just like you can't fucking take a step without an abuser knowing exactly where you are yep exactly Whew, and I've... you you cannot quietly practice the piano in that house unfortunately <laughs> Dude, i will say like as terrible as the abuse was like when you first hear that banjo playing while rose is trying to practice the piano and he's playing the banjo the same mm -hmm. song but better <laughs> a smile just has to come across your face man well yeah it's like this fucking like but you're also shaking your head like ah oh, this asshole but this he's kind creative. of creative though <laughs> <laughs> i'll give him this, that and talented this is, this is brilliant and very wrong <laughs> yeah well if you're gonna abuse someone do it with a little style you know i've, I've seen panache. i've seen the yeah. same old abuse over and over like give me give me a little something unique. oh professionally yes you have i that have sucks. oh boy man i want the uh, show. <laughs> i I, th I thought you were going to bring up when you mentioned like having a female director uh taking the helm of this story like this mm -hmm. uh we got to see the power of the dong That's yeah nice. we got to see benedict's cumberbatch actually ah <laughs> <laughs> very nice god power of the dong would be such a great porno title yeah, lucky for us. We also got it in the movie. Yeah. Hell yeah, man. Um That was neat. That was neat to see Benedict or to see uh Doctor Strange's wiener. I've I've I can't tell you how many times I've fantasized about that. Did sure I say you that can. out loud? Yeah, well, <laughs> Editing Greg is not writing this down. All right. <laughs> it's on the record, boys. Yeah, man. Oh man. I, I really dug the like, movie. I'm glad you liked it. Um, I'm glad you got a lot of the same things. And I sound, I feel like if we watched it again together that you would gleam new things that you didn't pick up on the first time. Oh, and also, like, you... And, uh, yeah, picking up on themes that maybe I didn't even notice, even if I watched it, like, a third time. Yeah. You would say, like, oh... And especially for, with your perspective with what you do for a living, you would be able to say, like... He was doing xyz because as i've seen many times people that you know go through the same things as this turn out this way yep or whatever i mean you already kind of said all that stuff but i'm sure you'd find new details i'm sure i would man i'd love to watch it with you again i would totally be down to watch it again um i did have to watch an ending explained 
um, which I usually do with okay. more, with more artsy endings. Do, do we want to talk about the ending at all? Um, no, honestly. Okay. This is this is kind of an interesting one where this is really spoiler free. Aside from like char- character details, I yeah. don't really feel like giving away story details. Cool. If then, that's cool. Yeah, no. Then I'll I'll give I'll give something I liked about the ambiguity of the ending. Um, okay. If you do the work to find it, it's all there. Absolutely. Um, and I did need someone else to do the work to find it for me because I just I don't like to think that hard after I watch a movie. Um, mm-hmm. But I've 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 seen I, I watched a really good ending explained from only westerns or westerns only. <laughs> I, I think, think I it's... watched that. I watched that same video. Oh, yeah. cool! Yeah, I thought it was um, a, a dating website for, uh, you know, for John. You don't Wayne. have to be lonely. John Wayne and Clint Eastwood uh, to finally meet each other in a romantic. You don't setting. have to be lonely at YouTube TV slash Westerns Only dot <laughs> com. Yeah, no, uh, but it's, it's the the substance is there. The answers are there, um, which is all I ask for with ambiguity. It's like, okay, fine, but if I look for it, I want to find something. I don't want you to yeah. just say, I don't know. We let the audience decide. And I'm like, okay, then I'll just Ooh. fucking make up a movie. You, you made I'll, this. Have a have a fucking stance. Right? I'll, <laughs> like, I'll decide to leave. <laughs> yeah. And um, I, I, I was pretty proud of myself for the ending. I did understand all of the how. And... I was, yeah, that's usually something that's lost on me. Like, I would have been left guessing yeah. normally, but somehow I it kind of clicked for me as things were moving along. Nice. And then the second watch is you're seeing more of the why, and it's a lot of it's a lot of fun. Cool. No, I, I, I 100% agree that this warrants a rewatch. Fun. Like, well, fun, but like... Fun, with air quotes that say, cruelty. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> no, but it was like... Even even from that endings explained, I'm like, ooh. There would be there was so much I didn't I don't want to say I missed it because I even re- I remembered it happening, but I'm like, oh, there was so much that I didn't understand the significance of. You know, like mm-hmm. there was there were so many, so many little moments that were actually pretty big moments. You know, like that it was it was really cool, man. It was, it was really well done. I thought. Hell yeah, dude. Ah. <sighs> man i think i'm all out of notes here do you have um oh i did want to say one last thing i did have one more note sorry go for it johnny greenwood's score he did it again oh dude the score is so good he was uh disqualified i listened to the clusterfuck episode he was disqualified for an oscar for his doing the score of there will be blood but he oh he one up that movie i think this time around i i loved the score like because like first of all it was fantastic at building tension second of all for the most part it was like instruments that were readily available to them in the house so it kind of blended of like wait did someone just start playing a scary piano you know like and it kind (laughs) of it kind of made you made you feel like uh the threat was right there like in their world you know like it, it was awesome man it was a really smart score i thought yeah most definitely uh if you guys want to hear like a better discussion than ours and one that includes all the details about the story with a little bit better insight 
do listen to the Blank Check podcast episode on this movie. I've plugged their podcast for like four episodes. They don't even know who I am, but who cares? I think they have an incredible discussion cool. on this movie. Um, they have a guest on that uh, speaks to like the the themes of homosexuality like very very well, dude. And they pointed out something that I was looking for on my second watch was the look that Phil gives Pete when they he meets him in the uh, restaurant right before he starts bullying and taunting him. Ooh. He just gives him a look, man. Ooh. Like he ooh. ooh. Watch watch it again. <laughs> <laughs> I'll I'll see it with you, buddy. It's oh man. I'm super down. I I definitely honestly this is one of those where I'm like, man, I want to see it again more after talking about it with you. You know, I'm like, ooh, now I I, I actually bumped my Critiker score up after this conversation. Like, I was like, that is a good yeah. point. That is a really yeah. good point. Talk talk about it with anyone or listen to us or others talk about it, and you'll want to see it again. You're like, actually, you know what? That detail was cool, or that performance was brilliant in this way. Um, yeah, you ready to... All right, now let's gimmick it up. I'm down you for ready? some gimmicks. Um, our, uh, our, our gimmick of the week, gimmick, gimmick of, of the, the week, week is... The reason for the rewatch. Oh, wait, no, wait. Uh, no reason needed, right? Like something yeah. that's self-evident. You don't need an excuse to want to experience this again, right? Favorite moment that you don't need a reason to rewatch. I don't need to make an excuse. I'm rewatching it because of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically. Uh, did you have one? Well, I think I fucked up the gimmick because I said to understand the ending. <laughs> but, so, so quite the opposite <laughs> yeah um you go and I'll, I'll think let me think for a moment okay uh my favorite reason or oh my god my favorite thing about this movie that i don't need to make an excuse to rewatch. i wanted to say cody smith mcphee's performance because i gave him praise in our oscars episode uh-huh. you know you you think he's like stroking that comb as like a nervous tick but really it's like a bond villain stroking a cat yeah and he's just he's calculating it's awesome oh but yeah. I, I i went with cumberbatch's performance dude you like greg mm-hmm. i literally just thought of that before you started saying it i was like that's what i would watch it again for is is cumberbatch's performance hell yes dude it's so good it's it's definitely like and like i think everyone did a great job it was honestly quite possibly my favorite kirsten dunst performance ever and i, I really like kirsten dunst Ooh, yeah um, she's done a lot and a lot of really good things yeah. too <laughs> but but also she was incredible she she we didn't talk about her enough yeah we really don't we we could talk about her for a lot more we'll do a kirsten dunst episode soon but um she Spider-Man, she, she suffered come. from being famous and recognizable in the sense that i was always aware she was kirsten dunst whereas benedict cumberbatch really just became phil you know, like it, it stopped being the guy that I know. You know, like it was mm-hmm. it was really, really cool, man. And he did a great, great accent. Oh, for sure. Um I'll steal one from the blank check episode I was talking about, but basically like you, it is kind of weird to have Cumberbatch cast in this movie as like a rough and tumble nineteen twenty five fucking rancher bro that's yeah. like all about the cattle. You know, you got this super posh, wealthy British man doing this. You're just like, this doesn't really fit. Yeah. But then you kind of you kind of think about the character, and you feel like the toxic masculinity is kind of another mask that he's wearing. Yep. So 
you see a guy that you just kind of get this feeling is like this wealthy British elite. T and uh, Crumpets in it, bruv. Um, you what, mate, to all the cattle and shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Et cetera. But, <laughs> but he's just hamming up the masculinity, and I think it kind of sells the character who's kind of trying to do the same thing. I agree. Perfectly, perfectly done. Great job. Hell yeah, Benedict. Well done. Not as good as Will Smith, apparently, according to some. Uh, oh, <laughs> I didn't see King Richard. I probably won't. I probably won't either. Uh, Denny, uh, so you're going with Benedict's cum- yep, yep. Benedict's Cumberbatch. I was gonna- that's that's <laughs> Cumberbatch's to performance. God damn, <laughs> Cumberbatch's performance also. Yes. Okay. Yes. <sighs> or as he calls it in the bedroom, his imitation game. <laughs> What's your favorite line, Greg? Oh, jeez. Say hello to Doctor Strange. Uh, my favorite line, uh, I wanted to say when uh, Phil says, I stink and I like it. And, you know, that was going to be, that's my rummer up, though, so we can get him a cumber bath. But <laughs> my real answer is actually from George. One of Plemons' only, like, real moments of like letting light shine through the cracks where he says to rose when they're alone i just i wanted to say how nice it is not to be alone and he's been in this house with his brother his whole life he's had you know ranch hands with him he's been surrounded by people but he's felt alone the whole time and you get the sense that phil also senses that right yeah like phil senses that he's alienating his brother and oh man maybe that's another reason he sees rose as like someone that needs to be dealt with Dude. but yeah just george opening up like that <sighs> you're, you're selling me again um my, here i go again well my favorite one was uh tell him the truth that i stink and i like it um <laughs> but man nice just thinking more about the context of that line i might have to go with that man i I think i'll go with i'll go with your pick like i just i just hadn't thought that deeply about it that's awesome that's i I like it more if we have the same critic or score then i'll lose it all right right, speaking of well i know that we don't because mine is uh uh, on on a a different scale scale and yours doesn't go up to this um i gave it a a 47 out of 50 um i don't really have a lot of reason for it other than uh it was really really good but my gut doesn't tell me five stars you know it's just kind of like okay where does it belong uh in in reference to other movies that i've ranked so 47 out of 50 that's an a plus i liked it a lot hell yeah dude uh i i originally had it as a 32 and then after a rewatch i bumped it up to a 34 I feel like it could definitely go higher. I felt like maybe there were a couple of slumps, but I feel like, you know, maybe something was really being said in that scene that I didn't pick up on. There's so much underneath the surface that I wish I had a little bit more easy access to. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because, you know, I can't overthink every single scene during the whole movie. Right. My My brain gets tired. Yeah. But it's incredibly well-directed, well-made, well-written, perfectly acted. Awesome. 34 34. out of 40 for Greg. 
Maybe it'll go higher. Who knows? It's a beautiful thing. You know, Bronco Henry once had a edit so seamless <laughs> that some say it never actually took place. <laughs> There's so many bits we could do with that. <laughs> he taught me to see things that other people couldn't see with my eyes, like the seams in a seamless edit. <laughs> you saw that edit just now. You see that? You really see it? You didn't even seamless edit for them? Well, you sure as hell did practice a lot. <laughs> you hear that, boys? It's for seamless edit. <laughs> All right. Uh, so no, obviously Greg, we're here to talk rule. about the... You're not allowed yeah? to seamless edit in the house. <laughs> I have to practice if I want to be a podcaster. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, we're here to talk about the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, the movie. Pterodactyl. Triceratops. Bronco. Right? Go, go, Power Rangers. I'm so excited for this. That's my favorite part of that song. Dude. The theme song for Power Rangers fucking slaps. Like, it's a good fucking song. It has, like, a bridge and a breakdown. Like, it, it rules. It's a great song. Dude, and that's just not... That's not just, like, nostalgia speaking, too. It's, like, Mortal Kombat. Like, some something about these tracks, man. They're good, man. They're good songs. They stay strong to this day. We love to hear it. Uh, welcome back, everybody. Guess what? What? We're for some reason rewatching <laughs> Did you need an excuse to rewatch Mighty Morphin Power Rangers the movie from 1995? Yeah, I did. I actually want to rewatch it a lot and Vanessa will never rewatch it with me. Um oh, so, so this I, is I literally a, did need an excuse to watch it. This is just a dumb chess move for your marriage. <laughs> this wasn't like no dude it wasn't that um it it's was listening right no <laughs> it was that uh it's that i it's that i've really wanted to revisit it because i uh because i hadn't seen it since childhood but mm -hmm. i never was gonna like you know just by myself on a night alone just be like all right mighty Morphin power rangers just me and the tv you know like um i needed a reason for that to be why i was doing it that night so i i really did specifically want to rewatch this and keep not doing it so i needed an yeah. excuse yeah i think that was my same kind of mental game with picking the rescuers down under a few weeks ago so i totally understand the move here man and i'm not at all here to hate um yeah mmpr tm 1995 you can watch this movie on hbo max mm -hmm. or uh VHS, I guess. I think whichever, it's on, um, I think it's on Hulu as well. I think you needed like a premium oh, okay. Hulu subscription or something like that. But, I don't know. Well, I have HBO Max because I'm bougie. So I didn't need to worry. I also it. have someone else's password. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I have, Benny, this is your pick. Yeah. I'll let you summarize this ish. All right. Uh, haven't done a good old fashioned summary in a while. Here I go. It's um, been a whole week. So, 
the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers are teenagers with attitude. Uh, for reasons I never understood, uh, we don't have all the original Rangers. We just show up, meet them, there's not an explanation, and we're skydiving. Um, they're up to their usual shenanigans, uh, you know, kicking bad guys' asses and being cool as fuck. Um, and then all of a sudden, Rita Repulsa and Lord Zed decide to resurrect an ancient godlike creature that can shapeshift so he can kill Zordon. Um, and, well, he comes pretty close, but we can't just kill him that easy. He has to, he has to wait it out. And while he waits it out, the, the Power Rangers are like, there has to be some way. And he goes, there's no way. And they're like, but th there has to be some way. And he's like, okay, there is a way. <laughs> and then they go on a quest uh, for all these powers uh, from a warrior princess. And they keep talking about how it's arduous and it turns and like everyone dies trying to do it. And it pretty much turns out it was just a really long walk. Um, and they turn into ninjas and they get new, less cool zords. Um, and then they uh fight ivan oozes cgi monsters while he's like enslaving parents uh and stuff like that um and then they win it's basically a really long episode of power rangers um, <laughs> it's pretty much the same format they always follow great yeah you could have start you could have led with um it's a really long episode of power rangers mm -hmm. i did like that you described what the power rangers were and then just threw around the name zordon like we all fucking knew <laughs> like you may not know what the power rangers are but you know zordon so true you know. everyone knows zordon um <laughs> this is accurate my relationship with this movie i was a really big power rangers kid i was crazy about it um i saw this in theaters and i think this is what killed my interest in it honestly um, Whoa! <laughs> yeah, I really do. Holy shit! Um, I didn't really like the CGI stuff as much as the like the Japanese kaiju stuff. Um, I thought turning into ninjas was going to be a lot cooler than it was. Um, I was not very into the new Megazord, um, and I, I think this this kind of kind of graduated me out of Power Rangers, you know. And, and I was also Ribbit, very. Ribbit. I was very confused. Um, well, because first of all, you go to a Power Rangers movie and you want Power Rangers, and then you have, like, Rita Repulsa and Zed are barely in it. Um, they have this new bad guy we've never heard of that I never really gave much of a shit about as a kid. Um, and then also, like, three of the Rangers are different, and it's not like I'm, like... I don't know if they explained it or not in the show, but when you're five years old, it's not like you can like chronologically follow along with every single episode of something. You you watch it when your parents allow you to watch yeah. it, and you get what you you, you get. watch whatever you watch whatever episode is on the TV at the time slot. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you don't know if it's in order from what you saw yesterday or not. Exactly. So I'm like, why are Jason Trini and Zach not here? Who are these? Who's Rocky and Aisha and who who was the new Black Ranger? Do you remember his name? Adam, I think. Maybe I don't know. It was I was Fro super. I'm a frog. <laughs> it's the most memorable thing he said was "I'm a frog." Yeah, that was great. <laughs> and then that never really had any redemption. They're just like, yeah, like the hmm. one. You're damn right kisses. you are. Have fun, kid. Yeah, and he never like has like. Wow, my frog zord rules. It's like, yeah, you did. We're going to be honest. You got the short end of the stick. 
Uh, mm-hmm. Someone someone had to have the frog. So it's wow. you. Yeah. So not only do we kick the black actor out, we also uh, <laughs> further belittle the black ranger itself. Yep. Yep. Um, oh, boy. All I got to say, I don't think I'd watched it at all, like not even once since childhood. So I just wanted right. to... Uh, wanted to revisit it you know what about you yeah i was i was a wannabe power rangers kid uh when i was growing up denny what uh what was the show on like what channel was it on oh shit i want to say i want to say wb like it was on network okay yeah so it would have been i would have been able to watch it but uh at the time it was on it was probably too violent for me according to my parents and you know maybe they're right no, they were wrong. It was on, so it was on watch. Fox. Fox. I didn't watch it, but I had some of the toys, and I liked the Power Rangers. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I, blue, because, you know, you're a kid, you always have a favorite color. Mm-hmm. My favorite color was blue, so I was like, I'll be the Blue Ranger at recess. Mm-hmm. Apparently that guy's a big, fat nerd. Hey, Blue, blue Ranger was my favorite, and uh, he's named after, or er, sorry, Blue Ranger was my brother's favorite. I was Red Ranger, then I abruptly switched to Green Ranger. But uh Good good switch, yeah. Blue Ranger is named after Brian Cranston. Really? Yep. His name's Billy Cranston. Um and Brian Cranston oh, was wow. crew for the original Power Rangers and that's why he was willing to play Zordon in the twenty seventeen. Like he had a personal connection to the franchise. That's crazy. Cool and awesome. Mm-hmm. I thought it was because of the blue meth he made in uh albuquerque new mexico and you know and you know how this relates to power of the dog uh what in real life the actor who played blue ranger was bullied by the other rangers for being gay oh no way yeah super fucked up i'll say yeah anyway we love blue ranger here on the the pod (sighs) i didn't even know any of that i still always loved him Mm -hmm. man Another 90s movie that we've done here with rollerblading in it. Do they have any that don't? I mean, we did Man of the House. Brink, I'm sorry, Brink was like such a, you know, that's kind of what it's based on. I wasn't surprised to see it here. I was like, damn, they just can't stop. Yeah, I feel like someone rollerbladed in Man of the House, didn't they? Yeah, uh, Jonathan Taylor Thomas did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Without a helmet because, you know, that hair. He He lives for danger, man. Yeah, but yeah, my re- so to conclude my relationship with the movie, I think I saw it once at my friend Kyle's house, mm-hmm. and that's it. I don't remember much of it. I the only thing I really remember from seeing it is there's a boring temple, <laughs> and I was like, "There's the white." I know there's a white ranger, and I know there's a a lot of time spent at a super boring temple. Turns out I was right about both things, but man, I see. Oh, man. You you texted me that this movie is boring, and I couldn't disagree more, man. Like it's it's a pretty exciting, engaging kids movie. I thought. I I guess I don't know. There's like I mean, nonstop maybe, action scenes. Maybe for kids. I, I'm not I'm not saying that there's not fun parts. I'm saying that the middle part where we're fighting, like. Uh, Wizard of Oz bird creatures and, <laughs> and just like walking around with the bikini lady 
and then we go to the boring temple and get our new alien powers. It's just, 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 yeah. So you you thought when they it, thought there's the, a deep what? there's a there, there's a long deep valley where not a lot of cool stuff's happening. You thought that when they fought the sentient triceratops skeleton, that was boring, but you thought Country Bears was entertaining. The skeleton felt more meaningless. <laughs> I didn't understand its motivation. <laughs> I mean, it fair, but was it boring? A little bit. You're just like fighting a bunch of bones that are moving around for some reason. You're like, is this a bad guy? What's going on? But was it I At didn't... no point does the triceratops say I'm trying to get the band back together. <laughs> Man. I didn't think it was boring. Um, I did think it, it missed the mark in a lot of ways. Um, but again, like through the lens of ultimately, I thought it was better than it had any right to be just because it like exists to sell toys. Um, oh, a hundred percent. It's, it's just the, the, the foundation for toy sales. That's the whole reason this movie got made. Um, but like, it's not like a good movie, but for, nope. for a child to be entertained, I thought it I thought it did its job pretty competently. Yeah, for a kids movie in 1995 in what was probably like a move to overtake the Ninja Turtles. Yeah. I think they did just fine, honestly. I would agree. I, I'm sure uh, you know, quotas, sales quotas were very much made for the toy company responsible here. Like, oh man. Speaking of the bikini lady earlier, boy, was this directed by a guy. Yeah, yeah. It felt weird not seeing Kimberly's midriff at a certain point. It's just like, oh, they covered up her entire... Oh, that's weird. Yeah. The, and then the power unnecessary just... bikini lady in a movie for six-year-olds. Yep, and she's Rad. like, her bikini is her, like, battle armor. She wears it to fight, right? Like, Yeah, I'm actually <laughs> a super tough warrior. Power Rangers are pretty okay, misogynistic. Okay. <laughs> Let's be honest. Let's be honest, yeah. Even, like, Goldar and Ivan Ooze are, like, creeping on Kimberly. Yeah, ugh. It was weird. Ugh. Yeah, with a name like Ooze, you can't be that creepy, man. <laughs> I, I did like Ivan Ooze. I like the Paul Freeman performance. I like when he said... <laughs> he just, like, smells the air and he's like teenager <laughs> I, 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 it's it's such a 90s thing right of like teenagers are like another species yeah basically yeah like <laughs> that was heavily featured here and throughout the whole show too yeah i i was just really surprised that ivan ooze wasn't dennis hopper um like it was such a was like was he busy with Waterworld? possibly uh, possibly that's it would be right between uh super mario bros and Waterworld for our guy dennis i think um he had a full plate <laughs> yeah um it just seemed like such a dennis hopper performance and the exact thing he would be doing in this time period um but man it was so cool like when you're a kid you think teenagers are like adults but cooler you know like and mm -hmm. so like this isn't made for teenagers. adults that didn't lose their edge exactly yeah yeah it's it's not made for teenagers it's made for little kids who want to be teenagers right and it's 100 percent, and it worked yeah dude 
Alpha, we need oh, teenagers man. with attitude is like in the opening of the Power Rangers show, which I just I love that they're like like this like deity is like bring me teenagers with attitude. That's what like, that's what we Here's need. seven million people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I only needed six. I don't wanna like have to go outside Angel Grove. Make them in the immediate vicinity. <laughs> hey, don't Ay ay ay! I don't want to go too far. <laughs> By the way, since watching this movie, I've been saying ay 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 a little bit more. <laughs> good, good, because that's the way Alpha would uh, want it. Um, oh boy, does that make me a beta? No, Alpha. Alpha is he's literally an alpha. <laughs> ay ay ay! Um, Man, what what to say? Um, I, I keep wanting to, to say? I keep wanting to talk about the 2017 Power Rangers. <laughs> I haven't seen that one and. I'm not sure if I'm going to. It's 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 surprisingly solid. I don't think you. It seems like it'd be a cool, fun time, yeah. but emphasis on the surprisingly, but surprisingly okay. solid. <laughs> like I thought, yeah. it like expanded the lore. Um, like they 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 tried to make a decent movie when really it was a thinly veiled cash grab, but they like gave more of a fuck than they had to. Um, I don't know, man. What is so there were lots of badass fight scenes and stunt scenes in, in this movie yeah yeah sure <laughs> i guess gosh i think when you every time someone moves an arm they don't they add a whoosh sound effect and i'm just like yeah okay did, all right yeah he whooshed <laughs> did i imagine it or did one of those bird people fucking fart when kimberly kicked it I don't, I don't remember that, but I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't I put it past this movie. They like immediately cut away, but she like kicks it into a rock, and you hear a little. <laughs> like, like it sounded like a. She kicked it in the gut, and it fucking farted, <laughs> which was just awesome. Um, dude, dude, go ahead. Sorry, you had something to say. There's just like a lot of. <sighs> I could criticize the script all I want, and there's just some weird filmmaking issues, like when they're fighting those ooze minions yeah. in like the first fight scene. The sun's coming up for like about six different fights, and then it's nighttime again. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh oh. See, I, I this required some reshoots. I'll bet it did. Um... I wasn't paying that close of attention. I was just like, it's the end of a long day. I'm putting on Power Rangers while I go to bed. I watch the whole that's, thing. That's the best time to watch it, honestly. Yeah. Okay, was was this a joke or was this just not intended to be a joke? So there's like ooze monsters standing underneath like a giant uh, like metal container that's being held up by a crane. And the White Ranger throws his knife, like this big sword that's probably like two two and a half feet long yeah and it like circles around them to like round them up because you know magic or whatever yeah and then a sword goes up to the the container that's being held up by the crane and i'm like okay obviously this sword is going to cut the cable but then the sword goes up blade down and from the hilt like a fucking laser cutting beam comes out and that that cuts the cable why didn't the sword cut the cable? Or was that supposed to be a joke that a, 
a magical sword has a cutting laser in the handle. I I don't remember any of what you're talking about. I'm gonna be well, honest. I was I was going to bed. Somebody, please help me. I gotta think it was probably a feature put on to sell a toy. Like they were like, okay, it's cheap to put a light on it, so it now needs to have a laser in the movie, right? Like that's I feel like that's probably why it happened. If I hold this open, the cheap spring reveals the little two watt red light bulb. Exactly. Holy shit! That's why it costs ten more dollars. Yeah, because the kids yeah. already had a White Ranger sword. They needed a reason to buy the official Power Rangers movie White Ranger sword, and only yeah. the Power Rangers movie version has a little red light that can cut through cables in your imagination. <laughs> Yeah, in the commercial, they open it, and then they physically knock over the stack of bricks that they have. That's what those commercials were like. Yep. Um, I stacked up other toys on top of some rocks, and I knocked it over with a piece of plastic. I miss those commercials. Fuck, I need it! Yeah. <laughs> no, God me too. damn, I want that. Because they worked. <laughs> oh, man. Um, I, I assume that's why they also had a completely new set of like robes like oh, a, a completely different costume change absolutely it was to sell the toys it was so funny too like they're at that temple they're getting all their new like new animals new sacred animals new sacred powers new magic robes and everything and they get like the whole ninja get up and as soon as they get you know like magically transformed into the outfits they just take the head covers off like oh this is hot yep <laughs> we <laughs> But the toys, I remember because I had the some toys. of the ninja toys. They they had the hoods on, um, and I, I remember like this was marketed as the Ninja Power Rangers movie, and I was first of all disappointed that them being ninjas kind of sucked, and second of all like they were ninjas for like ten minutes, right? Like they go back to being regular Power Rangers again. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was uh, again. No, you're right. As a five, <laughs> I'm just thinking of this too. As a five year old, I was like, I'm, I just don't. I don't. I think this movie's tonally inconsistent. <laughs> yeah, when I was five, um, your mom was like, "What? What? What did he say?" <laughs> Denny, you're gonna, you're gonna have a podcast one day, son. <laughs> <laughs> you little overthinker, you. You're gonna be giving unsolicited opinions on movies as long as you live. It'll <laughs> make you so happy. Um, no, you're living out this curse right now, buddy. Yep. Well, while we're talking about the merchandising, I could not help but think, like, what a flex this movie is doing. That Sabin and Bandai are helicopter dicking in, in your parents' faces. That they made the villain of the movie manipulate parents into working so that their kids could have merch. Which is literally the strategy of the show and it was just them being like yeah we're fucking evil what about it you're here aren't you your kid loves this movie yeah you worked for this your kid we got your kid addicted to this (laughs) and it's making them more violent and guess what you're gonna keep doing it you're gonna keep (laughs) encouraging it christmas is right around the corner and you know we're gonna make a second movie (laughs) so Uh, just getting cinematically teabagged must have been so frustrating as a parent i like biggest flex and then and then the the plot point is the parents are gonna kill themselves and half the parents in the theater are like you know what (laughs) i'm thinking about it (laughs) i think i'm I'm thinking of ending things (laughs) 
Yep. Uh, Not to joke about suicide, sorry. Please, you had a point. I make jokes about suicide all the time. I have to. Um, but, uh, no, I was just saying, like, th there's been two, like, truly huge flexes in, in human history. One is, like, this, making mm. parents watch this. Famously one of the two. Yeah, yeah. and the other is that uh, wolves used to eat us, so... Uh, over 2,000 years, we turned them into corgis and trained them to bring the newspaper in. That's that's a long game flex. <laughs> like that's like don't fuck with us. We'll win. Oh, man. We'll win. Now you're a fucking corgi. Way to go, dipshit. <laughs> shouldn't have fucked yeah. with us. Shouldn't have done those it. Those bastards. Those bastards in Frozen don't have much longer until they're uh, <laughs> getting yelled at for pissing on the wrong piece of carpet. <laughs> Um, dominant species baby so greg i i think what what is there to say about this movie other than uh it was kind of funny that zordon looked like anakin near the end for the entirety of it like holy shit could they have more nakedly ripped off star wars not that not that we do star wars but like Z yeah. zordon laying on that bed was literally like anakin with his helmet off in luke's arms at the end of at the end of empire or return of the jedi yeah no, like, <laughs> it was just like literally copy and pasted like it just made him look exactly the same i didn't think of that i kind of like that I and mean, we got to take down the the big evil yeah. well he did have who also had electricity coming out of his hands a shapeshifter another one who makes ooze and electricity and just just like palpatine i was all that's that's what confused me so much when i was watching it because i was like yeah what is his power he seems fairly omnipotent, and yes, he yet he needs like a really complex scheme with a lot of logistics and like production yeah. and distribution involved. When it just doesn't <laughs> seem like he really needs to do all that. <laughs> like, yeah. what's what's it about? Wet, sticky electromagnetic powers, but also needs like a workforce. Yeah to like make his weird plan like it's so weird like he's an all oh my god okay i don't need to overthink this. no no no, but no, no. It, it's all relevant you know what else i overthought it was it was another genie and aladdin situation where it's he like doesn't use the shapeshifter thing fuck okay yeah he just puts on a wig he doesn't shapeshift <laughs> all right, but he's apparently been living in an egg for thousands and thousands of years um and yet knows all of these current references you know like talks talks like a 90s late night show um he he, mm -hmm. he knows them as soon as he comes out like he, he shouldn't know all this stuff <laughs> the anti-kimmy schmidt yeah, exactly. <laughs> it would have been a short show if ivan ooze was an indiana mole woman <laughs> that dude that dude kept a finger on the pulse of pop culture <laughs> no matter he, he what comes, <laughs> he comes out understanding everything like oh, well, i guess the show's over well that sucked anyway time to get on with my life <laughs> there's no source unbreakable for <laughs> <laughs> and this, i do miss this it's funny that they they do reference jurassic park in this movie oh with shit. the triceratops bone battle that you mentioned mm -hmm. You know, they're just walking around old dinosaur bones, and one of the kids, what are their names? Who cares? One of them says, wow, welcome to Jurassic Park. So the movie had come out at that point, but the CGI still looked like it did in this movie. Yeah, it, the the CGI was egregiously bad. I'm I'm adamant about, like, dude, don't attempt something that you can't pull off. 
if you're not a hundred percent positive that you can nail it don't go there right like find another way to do it and yeah again like dude this show made so much fucking money off of repurposing footage from a japanese kaiju fight show and just mm-hmm. intercutting like americans giving dialogue for context of the scenes and doing a front flip over a camera that's on the floor and it ruled it fucking yeah, rocked it... like guess what i like the sound of that yeah no it was amazing and like megazord looked cool the monsters looked cool dragonzord looked real fucking cool and then you do all of this overproduced, way too polished, poorly aged stuff in, in, in the movie. You know, it was just... Yeah. I really do think this was kind of the end of it for me. I, I wasn't very into it. Yeah, it was, a, it was a $20 million budget. And the, like, climactic giant fight scene had maybe, like, 5%, maybe less, like, practical miniatures. Yeah. Smashing into buildings and that kind of thing. Yeah. And the rest was just, like big bad cgi scorpion bot just kind of like swinging yep in the same spot in the street dude well and those those big bads just <laughs> they didn't have the endearing personality of of the of the other power rangers villains it's always like a pig in like a roman centurion helmet or a man who's made out of eyeballs or a big old lizard or you know like just like they're they're goofy and they're fun and then you have these things trying and failing at being actually badass and sleek and high tech and it's just like dude why would why would that matter why would anyone care about that like it's it's so different from what from what made kids fall in love with the show yeah these these are basically like d tier star fox yeah. bosses yeah like <laughs> yeah most definitely that's a great way of putting it um i did think that men in black ripped them off a few years later though wouldn't you agree men in black ripped off star fox no no ripped off the power big bads like i i just oh yeah the, the one that like that that one dude turns into was reminiscent of these guys <laughs> i thought so at least yeah dude there's a there's you know we're kind of blending stuff in the 90s it's like wait which one came out first and it's like i guess this could have been ripping that off yeah it's it's funny man it's i don't know it i do like the kind of time capsule moments the stuff that has like zero fighting and like zero um like giant robots and stuff just like people hanging out and it's just like oh now we're gonna film the normal scenes that's the scenes i really like yeah, like yeah. with this and with good burger it's just like people hanging out like wearing their regular 90s clothes and yeah. just like this is the vibe i'm i'm kind of looking for that's what i'm all about Good. myself yeah like when they're landing during their little skydiving thing which you know of course they land six for six on the bullseye because everything the power rangers do is fucking perfect it is they don't do anything bad or wrong yeah duh they're not but yeah like that that scene with like just everybody hanging out i was like i'm really vibing with this scene that's just that's just how i felt dude those were some I of didn't my favorite really... scenes on the show like they would go to like the the teen cafe um and that's where the coolest mm-hmm. shit happened and it was it just looked so appealing to be there you know like uh i loved it and i don't even know where kids hang out anymore in their what's rooms cool now? what's cool Do yeah you really want to know 
Discord, yeah, sure. uh, faking DID oh, with anime characters, um, polyamorous online relationships, and self-diagnosing yourself with autism. Cool. That's, that's what the kids. Are so doing. not the not the mall. No, they they don't go to the mall anymore. Shit. Okay. Gen Z's coming around to millennials though. They they used to always make fun of us, and now they're like, oh, millennials are really sensitive. It's nice to have them take care of us because we're really jaded. <laughs> it's kind of how the dialogue <laughs> has changed in my experience. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. I think yeah. Going back to the '90s thing, man, or like I, the scenes I connected with, I think that's why I disliked the Alien Planet so much. This is just like, all right, we're on a uh, rocky coastline, and then sixty feet this way, it's the fucking desert, and then just past that hill, it's the rainforest. It's super wet. Like it's, it's, it's a weird planet, I guess. And then it's just inhabited by ghost skeletons. Like I'm not. We're on an adventure with the Power Rangers to a place that I can't even relate to now. Yeah. And I was relating to stuff earlier in the movie. And now I'm just kind of in this wacky, not even wacky, just like kind of tame new place that I don't really like or connect to. Yeah, it wasn't great. Um, I demand more depth and relatability to my Power Rangers Morph movie. <laughs> I, th I think I went into this expecting to, like, fully, like, hate it and find it unwatchable. Um, and I was pleasantly surprised that I was like, I mean, it's stupid and fun and, uh, for the most part, somewhat competent. You know, like, I think that was, that was my, maybe why we had a different experience. Because I was like, man, there's no way I liked this movie for any reason other than I was five years old. And honestly, I think I liked it more now than when I was five. Um, I really yeah. do. Like... Just because I was like, ah, it's it's a dumb good time, and they they put in some effort in some cool areas, you know. Yeah, I get you, man. Um, I feel bad for ragging on Gen Z. Let me just say, Gen Z, I love you. Y'all have some weird. Uh, <laughs> Y'all have some. We also wish we could be as cool as you. That's the thing. <laughs> we really do, and I really uh, I love that y'all think therapy is cool. I love that y'all think mental health is cool. Um, I don't love that that can kind of lead to well i have to have a mental illness as part of my identity that's that's what i was trying to trying to communicate i don't want to rag on the, yeah. on the kids man i the the boomers ragged on us and i swore i'd never do it i just say i'm old and i don't get it but rock on and that's that's what i'm committed to doing <laughs> yeah after being told you know for years that mental illness doesn't exist yeah we're <laughs> we're not gonna rag on you for too much beyond that yep i think progressing in a real way yep um you're all also communist which is just so it's gonna be so much fun <laughs> i'm so excited this is gonna be a fucking blast all right uh you ready to do the gimmicks let's do the gimmicks brother um greg do the gimmicks. what is your uh reasonless rewatch uh, uh, something that you don't need an excuse to watch it again uh i'm gonna say the first time the power rangers put their suits on yeah they they put on their suits. They're getting ready to fight the ooze minions for the first time. Mm -hmm. Like the music hits. They're doing their flips. They're saying they're dinosaurs and they're putting their suits on. And they get together like, yeah, all right. <laughs> Which by itself is my gimmick. But I also think it's really funny that like they finally finish their transformation and all the bad guys have run off. <laughs> and they're like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> We weren't going to fight? <laughs> they just fucked off, and they had to go find them. 
My, mine's in a in a similar vein, but more generalized. It's uh, just movie quality costumes, uh, both mm-hmm. both for the Power Rangers and the bad guys. Man, like they really upped the production for for everyone's gear. Um, man, Zed and Rita and Goldar all looked cool as shit. Um, Alpha had an upgrade. The Power Rangers were wearing like armor Power Ranger suits instead of just like uh uh spandex you know like i i just thought like that was probably the strongest point in the movie was the costume department yeah that's where all the budget went (laughs) they kept accidentally borrowing too much from the uh cgi guys (laughs) what's up oopsie what's your favorite line well i wanted to say (laughs) from the fucking temple i hate that temple man uh, I really wanted to say, like, when the White Ranger... <laughs> oh, my God. They get their new powers at the temple. We cut away. And then it seems like 12, 13 hours have passed. And the Rangers have been told, like, on your next journey, you need to go, you're going to need to go to that mountain. It's a little dangerous, but I think you guys can handle mm-hmm. it. And then it seems like 12, 13 hours pass. I don't know what they were doing that whole time, but the sun has risen. And they just say... It's time. <laughs> Why couldn't they have gone yesterday? <laughs> they didn't need to wait. I don't know. It's stupid. But my actual favorite line is from um, the Reverend from Hot Fuzz, a.k.a. Ivan Ooze, a.k.a. Paul Freeman, saying, making a weird reference and saying the Brady Bunch reunion as his list of reasons why modern times are so terrible. Oh, Gregory... Oh, buddy. We picked the same favorite line. I knew when you mentioned it, or you referenced it, but didn't actually say it, that it might have been that. I I have the full quote, because it was delivered really well. Uh, The things that I have missed. The Black Plague. The Spanish Inquisition. The Brady Bunch Reunion. Which is one of my favorite tropes, (laughs) is like, the, the last thing you say is less bad than the other ones. You know, like, that's... Mm-hmm. It just always works. Uh, I'll give a runner-up since we picked the same one. It's what I assume was an original song. Action boy now. Action girl now. Be prepared to surf across the ocean. <laughs> just that they wrote action boy now. Action girl now. I was like, did you Google translate that. your song? Like. <laughs> <laughs> It went through three different languages on Google Translate. <laughs> did not was, stick the landing on English. The song was so bad. <laughs> I loved it. Dude. I, the, dude, the Brady Bunch reunion reference is like, it's so funny because it's simultaneously like super dated and it was like exact, it was specifically for the adults in the audience. Yep. But now that we're adults, we don't get it because we were five when this movie came out. Right. We don't know shit about the Brady Bunch reunion. Speak for yourself. I, I'll ask my parents. I watched the Brady Bunch on Nick at Night growing up a lot. How was the reunion? Okay, shit, you got me there. I don't know shit about the Brady Bunch reunion. Yeah, there you go. You're right. Called out. You're right. Ex- Denny Taylor exposed. Well, it's funny because I thought about it and I was like, there was a whole lot of drama on that show was there a Brady Bunch reunion and was everyone involved? You know, like there was a lot of, uh, not okay stuff going on, you know, like I, I like, yeah. a, like 
I believe the lead uh, the lead took his own life eventually. Am I correct in that? I don't, I don't, I don't know anything about See, the Brady I Bunch. See, I told you I know stuff about the Brady Bunch. Uh, hold on. Weird flex. I know about a guy's suicide. I know Ooh. about a lot of guys' suicides. Oh, boy. Ouch. I regret. <laughs> yeah, that's what I fucking thought. <laughs> I regret the taunt. That's what I fucking thought. All right, we're spending too much time on this. No, I, I gotta, I gotta find out. Like, I, I don't want to. Yeah, we'll we'll find out off the air. Nobody cares. Okay, fine. I'm, how many times do I have to tell you? Nobody in our audience cares about the Brady Bunch. Let's see. Uh, Denny, what's your critic or score here, man? Um, I gave it a twenty-nine out of fifty. Um, I I kind of wanted to pass it relative to its genre because there's like, like kids movies generally suck. Um. And uh, the the dad from the Brady Bunch actually died of colon cancer, um, so excuse me, <laughs> Robert Reed. So that affected name. your score, yeah, right? That's, I, I just couldn't score it the same. Had to dock a couple. Yeah, points. no, but it was just like again, for 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 a random kids movie, I thought it was right at the passing line. But for a Power Rangers movie, um, they they fucked up a few things that were pretty central to the Power Rangers for me. So I, I had to I had to fail it okay what'd you give it i gave this one an 11 out of 40 don't say baby uh slightly higher than our bff of the show will reno who gave it a uh zero so (laughs) yeah i I was bored for too much of it there's too much laughable but not in a fun way but there was some cool stuff some solid nostalgia triggers some excellent costume work like you were saying but yeah at the end of the day i was not looking for an excuse to i will not be looking for a future excuse to rewatch this one i should say yeah i i think once i don't know man i i could like if i was feeling really silly i could rewatch it um like like i said i was surprised that i had so much fun watching it i thought it was going to be kind of a like Oh, I wanted to feel nostalgic, but now I feel bored, which it sounds like is exactly what happened for you. Um, so, yep. <laughs> but I, I, I had fun. I had, I had a pretty good time watching it. I found it, uh, I found it entertaining in a really silly way. Now imagine that the podcast is this piece of paper. You want to get from <laughs> one segment to the next segment of the podcast, but there's all of this dead air in between. So instead, you fold the audio file and put this pencil through it, (laughs) and we call that a seamless edit. (laughs) Buddy, I think you've got a winner. (laughs) Unfortunately, you had to steal a scene from um, Event Horizon to get there. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I can't steal all my scenes from 2001 A Space Odyssey. Hey, oh, <laughs> shots fired. Oh, shit. Man. God, Christopher Nolan stole a lot of shit for Interstellar, but was the, you can do that when you're this good. <laughs> Damn, dude. Yeah, we're here to talk about uh, Interstellar, everybody. Mm. Welcome back. Mm. 2014 Christopher Nolan sci-fi. I'll call it a classic. It was a huge oh, hit. Oh, huge. Massive. Uh, this movie can be viewed on Paramount+. Plus. But since none of you have that, I do have the copy of the 4K Blu-ray at my place. So, party at Greg's house for Interstellar. So, text text me when you want to watch Interstellar. I'll 
set you down and leave you alone. <laughs> All right, let me know if you need any water or snacks. I'll be in the other room. This is about three hours, so... You want some chips? <laughs> You're going to get hungry. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, man. Which one of us is going to summarize this? Uh, I can do it. Yeah, I know you hate it. I, I'm, you wanted me to do it, right? Uh, yeah, kind of. <laughs> okay, yeah. I don't, I don't care. I'll, I'll bang this one out. Yeah, we kind of said it already. Christopher Nolan sci-fi classic. This is basically uh, set into our future on Earth. Maybe not too far from now. The Earth is dying. We can't grow food anymore. Uh, crops are dying. Humans are dying off. It seems like the planet is becoming uninhabitable. Matthew McConaughey discovers uh, through a gravitational anomaly in his daughter's bedroom that there's actually like, oh my gosh, I've said too much. I've said too much. He, he basically finds coordinates to an underground base. Turns out it's NASA. Turns out he knows some people. Turns out uh, he's one of the only living pilots that can, you know, pilot a spacecraft in space. There's a wormhole out by Saturn. As Denny just described what a wormhole does, but, you know, we said seamless edits. I know that was tricky for some. <laughs> they go through the wormhole. They're trying to find inhabitable planets on an, in another galaxy far off. Uh, and they find some planets. They send back some data in an attempt to rescue humanity. Time, space, gravity itself gets fucked with a lot in this movie. Boy, does Quite a it. bit. Quite a bit. Boy, does it. Sometimes underexplained, sometimes overexplained. But if we criticize all the movie's writing, we wouldn't get to the good parts. Exactly. So, <laughs> this is uh, this is an interesting one, man. Yeah, man. This is yeah. This is like. Oh, well, I don't know. Yeah, just just give give me your relationship with it. I think you've brought this up a few times as an Oscar snub. I, I really do <laughs> believe that. Um. I have only seen it once before this. Um, Unbelievable. It is one of the first movies Vanessa and I saw in theaters together. Like, we, we saw it when uh, we swore to God we were just good friends. Um, mm, mm. <laughs> um, nice. I do think the first movie we saw together was uh, the, the Hobbit, The Desolation of Smaug. Um, mm. So, yeah, it might have been, it was either that or... Um, something else i don't know but this was one of the first two or three we ever saw in theaters together um i loved it i thought it was like fantastic profound um inspiring emotive brilliant and so when i saw the dvd at walmart a couple of months later for like 27 dollars, i was like yeah i'm gonna watch this so much that i'm paying full price at, at retail for it i'm gonna spend 30 bucks on a dvd um because i know i'll watch this over and over again that was in probably 20 what 14 15 um mm -hmm. and last night i finally watched that dvd <laughs> <laughs> oh my god and, Hell uh, yeah, dude. A the day after i saw this i was a uh, I was an outdoor education teacher at the time and we had a class where we uh we built rockets out of paper and shot them with compressed air through a PVC pipe. It was really cool. 
Um, I taught the whole class as a character I called Matthew McConaughey Spaceman, and one parent laughed. Um, but I was basically just doing <laughs> doing uh, Cooper impressions from Interstellar for like an hour and a half, and it was uh, it was just to pop myself. <laughs> like that's all it was. Dude, jokes that are just for you are often the best ones. Yep. <laughs> yep. What's uh, what's your relationship with Interstellar? Um. I believe I saw this one in theaters, too. I've seemed to remember that. I've seen it maybe four times since then on on various platforms. But, yeah, it, we got a 4K Blu-ray player maybe like a year and a half ago. And this was one of the first movies I picked up because I don't think my wife had seen it. And then I, I hadn't... I, it's like... I want to see this visually like we just got a 4k tv we wanted a 4k player like this is the movie i want to see on a screen like this yeah. so i picked it up and i spent about 13 less dollars than you spent on the base dvd copy the dvd the physical media market was very different 10 years ago i'll say <laughs> uh but yeah i've i've seen this a few times i gotta admit to you though man i didn't finish a rewatch today. <gasps> I, for this week, I didn't finish a rewatch, but I did watch it like a few months ago, yeah. so it's not lost. I, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I watched like the first forty-five minutes or so to kind of confirm some feelings. That's that's all I had time for this week. Sadly, you're good, man. You're good, um, man. I love this movie so much that I want it to be perfect. I want mm -hmm. I want for it to just be five stars. There's no flaws. It's just butthurt fanboys. There's some stuff kind of wrong with it, and I like. Why don't we just get that out of the way before we gush over it? You you feel you feel that? Yeah, that's that's good with me. Um, um I kind of had my notes like kind of in the opposite order. So yeah, let's go bottom to top here. Cool. Um, cause cause I wanna I wanna end on you know just like the things that are so fucking right with this movie right but like um man my first is like for for a movie that did such a good job of creating a very realistic and probable feeling dystopia um and very realistic and probable uh like uh possible habitable planets you know like it just it just this all seems like something i could see happening in some way um mm -hmm. despite how fucking contrived it is right like um man i thought the dialogue was so fucking marvel movie-esque um especially in those beginning scenes they just it's so oh, yeah. just a little too romantic it sounds like every character is like reading poetry when they talk but like only one of them is actually reading poetry when he talks and that's uh that's Alfred from Batman. What's that actor's name again? I'm kidding. Michael Caine. Michael Caine. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, just just the one thing. Please continue. Yeah. Um, just that's the only other Christopher Nolan movie too, right? Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> um, yeah. So yeah, definitely I, wasn't in Inception, and I really sorry. Go ahead. I really wasn't into the dialogue in the, in, especially on Earth. You know, like it was just very uh very like kind of reminded me of signs like an m night Shyamalan movie you know just like okay. it's not as gritty like it, it was dialogue from a less gritty movie 
Um, and man, I, I get that there was a lot of exposition to do. Um, and I get that we needed to like be caught up right before it happened. And maybe there's not a fantastic way to do this. But are you really telling me that they sent Matthew McConaughey into a wormhole without telling him what it was? Like, he's, like, up there doing the missions, and they're explaining to him, like, literally right before the mission happens, like, what the mission is and how to do it and why they're doing it. And I'm like, do they literally just put him on a spaceship and say, like, don't worry, everyone else here knows what to do? And he didn't even ask, like, so what's the plan until they were, like, at the planet. <laughs> you know, like... <laughs> that's, that's what's weird, too. Because if you have your character doing that, like, he, he needs to be one thing or the other. Either he is, like, just there to fly and is therefore left out of some of the meetings. Right. Or he's privy to everything and the smartest guy on the ship. They have the pilot kind of being what seems like the smartest guy on the ship. Yeah. And he's not aware. That, like, it's... I don't know. It's it's weird. Well, he's kind of a common-sense cowboy. And, like, that's cool if you don't like your fucking moonspiracy uh, textbooks. It's kind of cool to be a common-sense cowboy there. But, like, are you telling me that, like, the secret to, like, this, like the extremely scientific and delicate process of getting to another planet was just street wisdom <laughs> you know was like good old <laughs> good old down to earth common sense um and it's also like you said maybe he's the pilot and he missed some of the meetings they are sending people through wormholes that have been provided by higher beings for the like for the for the sustainability of like humankind cuz we're all going to die I've got to think everyone would be in all the meetings. <laughs> like yes. you're sending five people to do this and <laughs> you can leave accounting out of this one. The pilot flying through the wormhole sits in for all of them. <laughs> I've, I've just got to think everyone would be very thoroughly briefed on exactly what was happening. Right? <laughs> like if everyone involved would like, and it, I know, man, I, I and again, I don't know that I even have a suggestion because I'm like, no, you really did need to tell us right before it happened. You know, like, so, because there was so much just density and confusing things. You needed to, like, let the audience know, okay, this is the plan for going to this planet. This is why we're here. This is what we're going to do. This is our intent. And this is how we're going to do it. Ready, break. So they know what's going wrong. You know, like, when, mm -hmm. when it goes wrong. I don't know a better way. I'm just going to say it was, it, it took away from the movie and maybe, maybe it had to for it to work. I, I'd rather have that than not know what's going on. Um, but it, it took away from the movie. Yeah. Good point. It, like I've seen like the, um, the science of this movie criticized a lot. That's one thing that I don't really hold against it because I don't, I'm not really a, I don't know a lot about science and space yeah. and exploration and that kind of thing. So I feel like I'm just kind of along for the ride. Yeah. So I, I'm able to kind of push that aside, but I still, I've rewatched this so many times because it's such an incredible audio visual experience 
that I think by the third time I watched it, I finally understood everything that was going on. <laughs> That's another problem with Nolan movies, man. It's just like, I don't know. On your third or fourth time, you're like, oh, it's so obvious what they're talking about here. But like the first time you watch, like you watch this movie, you're like, wait, what the fuck are they talking about? What is going on? Yeah. Well, but Interstellar, <clears throat> I thought the 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 general purpose of everything was clear enough. You know, like sometimes, yeah, in all the space, the, the, big, jargon, the big problem yeah. was clear. Versus yeah. like Tenet, where I like literally had no fucking clue what any part of that movie was at, at any point. Right? Like I I haven't seen that movie, and I am. I, I've, I've said before that I, I demand subtitles, and that is a movie I demand subtitles for, from what I've heard. Dude, fuck that movie. <laughs> Tenet sucks. All right. Um, yeah, man, but, dude, do you, do you have any more negatives? Th those are all my negatives. Oh, yeah. That's the whole thing. Uh, you want me to go through yeah, a couple of them? Yeah, go for it. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty much all writing. Um, I don't like that... Christopher Nolan is pulling out the uh, the lead male character has a dead wife thing again. I was about to say, I've got bad news for you about Christopher Nolan movies. <laughs> I think he's married with a family and he's apparently like a really good husband and father from what I've heard. But then I think this is his fifth movie with a dead wife. So you're just like, oh boy. <laughs> oh boy. And at this point on earth we can only grow corn right yeah so they're drinking beer what is that made of corn whiskey corn whiskey in a beer bottle yeah i don't buy it <laughs> i i i never thought about that but you're 100 percent right i'm this sure i'm sure you could make corn beer i'm sure you could <laughs> sounds delicious you can ferment like, almost anything you want that's true <sighs> i was a moonshiner <laughs> yeah it, it's the thing with christopher nolan this is my last i guess complaint is just it's kind of a made-up term but i feel like he doesn't have a lot of like consistent visual personality mm -hmm. i feel like in He's the biggest culprit of the, you know, the home movie experience thing where the dialogue is super quiet and then the score and the explosions are like destroying your speakers. Yeah. You're like, I want to turn it up because I need to hear what people are saying. Yeah. But then you got to crank it back down because the music's too fucking loud. Dude, I had my TV on max volume and still had trouble hearing some of some of the dialogue. Like I like that's yeah. like wondered if my TV was messed up. And then I like turned it back to a streaming service and was like, "Oh my fucking god, Jesus fucking Christ!" <laughs> Even the scrolling through the menu noises are deafening dun, right now. Dun, dun, ow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and like it's stuff like that. And then um, what else was I going to say? He'll like. It, I think the best way to watch this movie is if you can find a way to have it on your TV so you get the full visual effect, but with headphones so you have better balance do that but that's i understand not everyone can like has a easy way to do that yeah yeah but i was saying like the visual style and everything i'll talk about this more with if we do uh no country for old men but it feels like 
in movies like this and even Dunkirk and like the Dark Knight, he is looking at each scene as its own scene and saying, okay, how do we get the best look for where we are and what we need to do? Mm-hmm. And it creates some incredibly stunning visuals within that moment. But then like as the movie flows, we're like cutting from widescreen to full screen, depending on where we are. It seems it feels like we're looking at we're following the story along through like four four or five sets of eyes. Mm-hmm. It's really weird. And instead of like creating like a unique visual style that carries you know through the whole movie, it's just like where are we? How do we make it look as good as possible? Not how do we make it visually fit the rest of the film. Sure, sure. And I think that that throws me off a fair amount more with his other movies. With this one, you can kind of get away with it, especially once we get to space. Because, you know, black bars in space, you don't really notice it that much. Yeah, yeah. And it's such, like, unique and widely varying environments that that doesn't throw me off nearly as much. Sure. Again, once you're in space. Yeah, I honestly didn't notice at all, but that's I think that's just a way that our brains are different. You know, that's just not yeah. it's not what Dude, I pick up on when I watch movies. The the widescreen full screen thing, man, it's just I hate it. It's I think I, I it's think like, I'll it's hate there it to now. Rem- like now that you've pointed it, it out to me, I think I'll hate it, but I just I didn't I, notice it. I don't want to do that to you, man, but I just got to mention it because it's like here, remember, you're watching a movie. Yeah, <laughs> like, which you're supposed to squish to, the picture. You're supposed to immerse people in it, right? Like, yeah, exactly. Who fucks with and the aspect ratio? It, Jesus, it breaks the immersion. Who does that? <laughs> Who does that? Oh he man, does it a lot. Let's let's talk about what we love about Interstellar. Sure, you want to start with the fucking music? Oh my god, the sound design, the fucking sound design of this movie. I was. Man. I was talking about the score, but let's do the sound design. Dude, I mean, all of it together, you know, like just the like the use Everything of silence, the use of score, like when they played music, when they did, it's so goddamn good, man. Like and very unique, like very like stands out as something really special. Absolutely, like <clears throat> that's why why I kind of recommended trying to watch this thing with headphones because you really start <laughs> once you're not you know turning it down because the music was too loud at one part you really start picking up on all the details once things are a little bit more balanced yeah and then i don't mind the music being a little bit louder because this is a brilliant brilliant score there's just a lot of emotion in that and uh, like you're saying like the use of silence in space too oh dude incredible that conveyed the horror of space better than any soundtrack could like yeah. It almost like makes you think like the projector's breaking when you're watching the movie or something. You know, like it's mm-hmm. it just conveys this like if you were there, you would be so fucking out of your element that you would die. Right? Like you're everyone here is about to die. Um this is a fl- a fish flopping around on land having no idea what's going on. Right? Like that's that's what mm-hmm. we're seeing. Um god, it's so good. It's so damn yeah, one one little thing goes wrong, or there's like a hole somewhere. You're fucked, and you're dead. Yep. And it's crazy that with just audio, we kind of get that sense. Yeah. We get that feeling, the, and the isolation man. of it all. Mm-hmm. That it's just it's not super constant, but they they bring it back every once in a while. It's just kind of a reminder mm-hmm. of what they're like really dealing with here. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's good. 
it, it made me feel less like I was in movie space and more in like real outer space. You know, like that's mm-hmm. they created this very like brutal reality take. Yeah, it's it's super harsh lighting when they're in the sun and then pitch black in the shade, which is of course, you know, how it is. It's just like I mean you got you know, McConaughey's spinning in space in his like ejection seat or whatever. And it's like it's like fixed on him and he's like getting blinded by the sun and then he's in pitch black and then he's like cycling between those two, you're like you've Ah, you just feel it. And then you only hear his like heavy breathing as he's just tumbling through through the empty void of nothing. It's insanity, man. Absolute insanity. God, this is a this is a fucking good movie. It's cool, man. Just reminiscing about it is just like putting me back there right now. I want to go. Yeah. I want to go watch it again. Hell yeah! Watch it at my place. I have it on two steps above DVD. Nice. Um, <laughs> what What did <laughs> Not you to what, brag? What did you think about the themes of the movie? Um, like like you were saying at the beginning it seems like they were a little bit too poetically delivered yeah at the beginning it's just like i get the sense of duty for humankind but then we spend a lot of time really just like selling us on the idea that like man was made to explore like yeah okay but if there's no man to explore we gotta (laughs) right right yeah it's just like there's other tasks at hand here maddie so uh, i didn't mind the themes and it's another nolan thing like like i said at the beginning right it's just it took me a couple times to really understand all the pieces of the story that took place Mm -hmm. so i'm not really invested in the themes as i'm watching it like the first time but the one thing that is very relatable and you only need to see it the one time to really connect with it is his uh relationship with his daughter and that is like the emotional through line of the whole movie and boy is it strong and extremely intense and emotional and the score helps sell like every moment of that relationship the relationship is so strong that i felt bad for his son (laughs) who he clearly loved less (laughs) like (laughs) but he's gonna be fine yeah no, but I, I I loved the dialogue, um, not the literal dialogue, but the the discourse I suppose about like what is survival if we lose what makes us human, um, and yeah. what makes us human is our irrational, inconvenient attachments, right? Like we we like we would never abandon our families, like we would never kill our families to save the whole world, and that's irrational. But we, mm-hmm. we just wouldn't do it, right? Um, and that's what makes us human. We're not, like, these logical machines. And, yeah, I get that it's cheesy that they're, like, love was the thing that was missing. It's our love for each other that made us able to interdimensionally travel. But thematically, that really works for me. You know, like, it, it really <laughs> does. Um, and I also thought they had a cool conversation about what our survival instincts are. Because there's, like, the primary survival instinct of, like, keep yourself alive. Um, Then there's, like, the secondary of, like, okay, well, you can't keep yourself alive forever. Um, Have a kid. (laughs) They'll remember you. Pass pass some things on to them, right? 
Um, keep mm-hmm. your legacy alive. Keep your memory alive. And then, you know, like you get into more abstract things like like something I love about this movie is that the robots are just blocks because there's there's more utility in that really there's there's no real reason to make an anthropomorphic robot but we do it kind of as part of our survival instinct right like we want to make something Mm -hmm. that's like us um and then we get down to we're like what if we just dumped a bunch of fertilized eggs on a habitable planet and hoped for the best that's kind of like survival don't you think maybe that's how we got here now that i think about it right yeah um so yeah man i don't know i just i i I really dug the like the depth of that in the discussion about it yeah i think you liked it a little bit more than me uh i don't think it carried too terribly much weight with me but i do you know appreciate it i do like hearing your thoughts about it too so yeah i just maybe i don't have an explorer's heart i I, (laughs) i'm i'm for as much as i complained about like the the poetic nature of the dialogue that I thought should have been grittier. Dude, I, I romanticize and narrativize so much stuff in my life. Um, it's, it's pretty much constant. And so this really, really played to the dreamer in me that feels like called to do something like just feels like this irresistible desire to abandon everything and chase a dream and, you know, looking up and being like, man that's our place in the stars you know like it's just so fucking cool hell yeah um man any other uh, themes you wanted to touch on well i really wanted to meme something that never got memed um i wanted Ooh. i wanted for like maybe if your partner took a long time to put on her makeup or let's say your friend was taking a shit and you needed to use the bathroom or your social calling was late to dinner. I wanted it to be a thing where you could just stand there crying and say, I waited 23 years. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, he waited 23 years. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I, I still do that sometimes, and no one ever gets the reference because it's not, this movie's not incredibly recognizable um and that's not even the most recognizable part of it so but i i love that scene man and i just man you know to take it back to something serious man just like the weight of loss that gets that gets uh portrayed in this movie right just like god it's it's just so heavy and and profound and it just it just seems to have a really acute understanding of of grief um just like the 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 like soul wrecking nature of grief that you that you see people just coming unglued um in in really awesome ways you know like even uh man i think i think this is matthew mcconaughey's best performance and i was about to bring that up to tie it in yeah because when he's banging on the interdimensional wall he is like so close to overdoing it and making me laugh but he walks that line so well that it makes me cry you know like he comes Mm -hmm. so close to like jim carrey in the mask or something um and just (laughs) ruining the whole moment and he never goes all the way there and i'm just like god this really is what like just coming unglued looks like for a human being yeah i think it's one of his best performances 
oh ever I, I like it's... I'd say best I'll I'll just put it up as best without a doubt for me yeah it's it's an easy call I I would say yep yeah I think there there's other two smaller moments I think well <clears throat> it's probably the one of the bigger emotional moments in the movie is when they accidentally yeah they were waiting 23 years and yet they accidentally spend way too much time on that water planet yeah. and when he comes back he's watching all the video logs from his kids growing up and just like how much of that scene just lives on his face while he watches like his kids grow up and how uh, he's happy to see it but he's just so full of regret that he missed all of it yeah like all of that exists without him saying a word and i think that was a really good scene and then the other one i had was um when he's like trying to well he, he before he leaves earth he tries to make good with the kids and you know fails with murph obviously mm -hmm. and then he drives away in his truck to go fly the spacecraft and the music is swelling and he looks for murph in the passenger seat under the blanket and then just like his eyes start watering up and i think i'm gonna have to maybe watch the movie again i think that's the first time that he's alone in the whole movie damn it was in when he was driving in his truck <sighs> to uh go on the mission i'll have to double check but i think that's the first time he's alone at all man. in the movie oh, i just love this movie so much man we haven't even talked about all the betrayal themes that show up um mm -hmm. the really unexpected one is michael Caine's, but then we've just got what my brother referred to when he saw it as classic Matt Damon bullshit. And it always stuck with me because <laughs> I was just like, that's so what it is. Well, first of all, great, great, great job holding on to the fact that Matt Damon was even in the movie. Yeah. And then, uh, he does show up and he does do some, yes, very Matt Damon ass bullshit. Yeah. Well, we've talked about Typical. it on a, on a previous episode, but man, the, the use of celebrity is brilliant in this because, they make you feel like you found someone you knew because you recognized him. Um, and the characters would have known that they would have felt that way. Right. Like, and they made the audience feel that way by using a surprise Matt Damon. I just, I thought it was brilliant. I've pretty much never seen anything like it before. I thought it's, it's honestly one of the smartest things Christopher Nolan ever did. And that's, yeah, I would agree with you there. And I think that's what makes the, um, the betrayal, so much worse mm -hmm. is because we do feel like we finally found a friend yeah and then you you kind of start realizing like he might not be and you really you really don't want it to happen yeah that way but oh my god yep well that that's the thing man they make you care so much about this mission succeeding um <clears throat> they get you so emotionally invested in the success of this mission and they constantly show you like how much these characters have sacrificed for this mission to happen. And then they reveal that the mission was supposed to fail, that it was mm -hmm. all like a cynical, like no good intentions whatsoever. Bold faced lie told, you know, like that they, they viewed this as undoable, but they could have never convinced anyone to abandon their families for, for this. Um, Mm -hmm. and so they lied and said there there was another option and then the absolute fucking world beaters matthew mcconaughey and uh princess diaries woman what's her name 
Anne Hathaway. Anne Hathaway. God, sorry. I'm really tired. <laughs> um, they, they fucking figured out how to do plan A. It's just so, it's so fucking good, man. I like it. Uh, there's some real feel-good moments. It it's It reaches... This movie reaches a lot of moments of, like, dread mm-hmm. that I haven't seen in a lot of movies. Yeah. Space will do that to you. Like I said, space dread is one of my favorite genres. Yeah. And then just also, like, just emotional peaks of just senses of relief. And, ugh. You really hit the highs and the lows with this one. I like it. Yup. Um, do we want to get into gimmicks? Uh, I guess so. Uh, the only thing I don't think we really touched on was, outside of the practical effects, specifically I wanted to call out the uh, when Matt Damon fails his escape attempt mm-hmm. and the uh, space station is spinning, they got to match that spin. That is probably one of the most tense oh, scenes my God, yes. that I've ever seen in a film. Yes. Holy shit. Like, I've seen it a few times, and I, I look forward to the sense of tension that I feel when <laughs> when that scene's going on. And it's just like, hey, we gotta spin fast. How do you make that scene that, that cool when that's the motivation is, hey, we gotta spin fast? Yep. <laughs> Brink couldn't even do it. Come on. <laughs> Dude, and I'm, I'm just thinking back on those space scenes, man. Just what a visually beautiful just like absolutely stunning the whole way through oh yeah is that's like the biggest thing that's that's the that's the biggest positive of this movie is it is an audio visual masterpiece i that's it (laughs) hell yeah it is just wish the other movie stuff was a little bit more elevated but you know yeah it, it, it's it's such a like to me i'm like the the flaws are just very minor compared to like the strengths right um they really like the reason they bother me so much is because it's what prevents me from calling it perfect and i just mm-hmm. it's such a perfect emotional journey that i want it to be a perfect movie you know i want that so bad because i feel so powerfully about this movie and it's just a one-of-a-kind yeah. type of flick that I, I can't get this experience anywhere else. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's stuff that you experience in this film that you can't get anywhere else. Yep. That's for sure. All uh, right. You ready to gimmick it up? I can gimmick it up. Let's let's gimmick this gimmick. All right. Uh, Denny, what's your favorite moment that you don't need an excuse to rewatch? Let's see. Um, God, I didn't even write one down. I've I've got one in the chamber if yeah, you want. Yeah, go for it, go for it. Uh the it's probably like the most emotionally um taxing moment in the movie. The one that like like if nothing else gets me in the movie, this this part does is when we finally reunite with Murph at the end <sighs> and she's like super old and it's just it feels that's one of the most satisfying senses of payoff. Yeah. I've seen in a movie. And it's just like it's a it's such a fleeting moment because it has to be. Yeah. Like I'm here, I did it, I need to see you. Like, well, I've lived my life. I'm older than you now. What a mindfuck. Time time for me to end my life with the life and the family that I've created. Yep. But I love you. 
<laughs> what a moment. Both of those characters needed that at that exact time. And I f- that's it ties a very nice bow on what I think was the strongest and most connectable theme for me in the movie. Yeah. Well, and it had like that uh, Frodo can't go back to the Shire element of it that like, hey, yeah. this, this journey completely changed the people who went on it right and the way that they lived their life that they just really wanted to get back to that life is not possible anymore and that's that's a consequence of the adventure um yeah you need to you need to have stakes you need to have some wrongs that can't be righted and that's that's awesome um let's see what's my my you just don't need a justification for it um i am gonna go with can I just? I'll just do Matthew McConaughey's performance, man. Like I, I think I like about it. his character Cooper. I don't mean to to rest on my laurels after picking Benedict Cumberbatch's performance, but man, this is another one where I'm like, it's very rare that I'm not constantly thinking about the fact that he's Matthew McConaughey when I watch a Matthew McConaughey movie. And in this one, he he was Coop. That that's who he was. Um, I everything I love about this movie uh, is. It wouldn't. It wouldn't be the same. It wouldn't be as impactful if Matthew McConaughey didn't give the performance that he did. So goddamn good. Yeah. Good call. I like it, man. What's your uh, no shame in that? What's your favorite line? Oh man, it's it's a line that I think I only noticed this time around, and it's when Cooper is about to leave in that scene that I had just mentioned. He's trying to tell murph like kind of his justification for leaving and he says once you're a parent you become the ghost of your children's future yep oh man that one sat heavy they were telling on themselves they were spoiling the movie and they didn't and you didn't realize it that's a great line i love it great line um i'm gonna give a runner-up which is we used to look up in the sky and wonder about our place in the stars. Now we just look down and worry about our place in the dirt. Um, mm-hmm. So good. But man, I've just got to go with it. Make him stay, Murph. Hmm. Oh, make him stay. Make him stay. Just bargaining with what he knows is happening. And just trying to re- scream, I regret doing this. I regret mm-hmm. doing what I'm watching myself do right now. You're making you're like just looking at himself doing it and shouting like you're fucking up right now, you know, um, make him stay Murph. God, I love that line. Make him stay. <laughs> make him stay Murph. <sighs> Good as shit. <sighs> Denny. Yes, sir. What would you say you scored this one on the old critic? You know, same as Power of the Dog, I gave it a forty-seven out of fifty. Um, wow! I want to give it that. I want to give it that five zero, and I just can't justify it. But it, it's it's up there, man. This is a fantastic movie. Um, easily Christopher Nolan's best work ever, um, in my opinion, at least. I, I would definitely rank it above The Prestige. I would probably rank it above The Dark Knight, but mm. I haven't watched it in a long time. Um, I would rank it and a bunch of movies Christopher Nolan didn't even make above Tenet. 
Uh, so I, I I love this movie. Man. I think it's 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 just dope as fuck. It gets high marks. I want to love it even more. That's how much I love it. Awesome. Yeah, I like that, man. Oh man. So yeah. I'm going to have to say, man, like, I think the flaws, they definitely don't outweigh the positives at all, but they are kind of an anchor for me. Mm-hmm. And I'm giving this one a 31 out of 40, which, you know, it's it's a hard one to compare to other movies because I haven't seen a lot of movies that do, like, three or four things that I really like so perfectly mm-hmm. And then, like, other stuff is kind of, like, middling to below average. Yeah, yeah. I just, I kind of got to average out the movie and not really compare this to other ones, if that makes sense. No, and I I can't fault you because you're being more objective than I am. Um, You know, like, I'm, but, like, I'm going on what sticks with me. You know, like, when I walk out of the theater, am I like, "Mm, John Lithgow was kind of miscast. Or am I like, make him stay, Mer-? you know, like I, I that's, mm-hmm. that's what really sticks with me about the movie. And so if I'm leaving thinking about the flaws, then the flaws are a bigger deal, if that makes sense. Right. But if, yeah, if they were there and I noticed them and they just uh, didn't worry about them very much by the time it was all said and done, then I'm going to be an easier grader on them. All right. I like it. Yeah, but we did it, man. We did it. What is Greg? that was supposed to be a drum roll but it was just a weird tongue noise um (laughs) are you trying to kiss me um let's go greg what is the best movie for when you need an excuse to rewatch a movie well buddy i gotta say it's it's it is kind of hard to choose between interstellar and power of the dog but i will give it to power of the dog for this reason interstellar i feel less of a need for an excuse to rewatch it mm-hmm. i'll watch it next week honestly yeah. i, I like, kind of no, want to feel like on tonight honestly <laughs> i just kind of feel like watching this again but power of the dog is a movie that is so worth re-watching but it you do kind of need an excuse because it is it's even shorter than interstellar mm-hmm. but man it's just you got to really put your thinking cap on and focus on all the characters and all the motivations and like really like mentally invest in everything that's going on. And yeah, it's, it's, it's harder to be in the right place to watch the power of the dog. So I think if you're trying to find an excuse for a rewatch power of the dog is your movie and it is always worth a rewatch. I think I'm going to go with interstellar myself. Um, Okay. Just because it's more my type of thing than Power of the Dog, like I wouldn't be surprised if I never watched Power of the Dog again. And I really liked it, but it's just it's not the mm-hmm. kind of thing I would return to over and over. Inter- so you would need an excuse oh. to do it then. If I had an excuse, mm. I'd kind of be mm. like, uh, I already saw it. It's kind of long. I watched the YouTube video explaining the things I missed." Um, <laughs> I wouldn't I wouldn't want the excuse to rewatch it. Whereas whereas Interstellar I'm like, this is one of my favorite movies ever made. And that's that's for real. Definitely a favorite of mine. Um, and it's just so fucking long that I'm I'm never going to sit down and be like, I've got three hours to watch a movie I've already seen unless there's like a reason to do it. Um, so that that's why I'm going to go with Interstellar. 
Very fair. Very fair. Greg, what are we doing next week? It's time to tell the people what next week's episode is. Oh, man. These are some movies that we don't need an excuse to rewatch, but we do need an excuse to watch them together. Yeah! This is the foundation of the podcast, man. We are in desperate need of a good old-fashioned cage match. Woo! We've got the live show coming up the week after this one. So let's get into the cage spirit of things and watch three Nicolas Cage movies. Uh, back to back to back. No marathons, Mr. Nadir. <laughs> Be careful. <laughs> oh. <laughs> if only we heeded the warning. Take heeded of? Taken heed? Heedeth. Heed, heeded. Yep. Took heed. Um, I have chosen uh, Con Air for my pick for next week. We're going to do an audience vote. Um, and Greg needs some time to think about his pick, correct? There's yeah, there's a lot to choose from here, man. Like, do I want to do The Rock? Do I want to do Next? Ooh, which is a bonkers movie. I haven't seen Next. The Rock didn't blow I, my mind. You know what? I'm I'm picking Next since you just said you haven't. All right, seen it. Greg picks Next. I picked Con Air. We're gonna let the audience pick the uh, the rest of yeah. them. I've I've picked the best Nick Cage hair with my with my choice Wonderful. here. I'm pretty proud of that. And hey, audience. <laughs> You really need to pick Vampire's Kiss. It's where all the memes come from. I don't know. We'll leave it up to them. It's it's we'll Nick Cage's favorite us in the past. role. But they can be coerced. They can be coerced. Audience Not here. always, but it can happen. And Hopefully right now when it matters most. <laughs> sometimes I think they hate me and they vote for the things that I said I didn't want to watch. <laughs> I think you might be right. <laughs> Every once in a while, man. All right. Uh, I think that about does it for us here, man. I do too, Greg. I'm just waiting to be. Aye, aye, I'm aye. just waiting to be teed up. Oh, you're so sleepy. <laughs> Danny's a sleepy boy. Oh, tee me up. You know what I need. Ah, uh, Denny. We don't have to travel through a wormhole to get to this catchphrase. <laughs> Hot damn, but we will just because of how much we like traveling through wormholes. <laughs> For Greg Work, the Habitable Planet Hoax Johnson, I'm Denny the Invisible Hand Taylor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and this has been Movies for When. We already told you when, but you know what we didn't tell you. What's my cage again?
Stay.